Did you know I have channel memberships now? For as little as 99 cents a month, you can actually be a channel member. Now, if you want to help out the channel, you can actually go and you will have your name listed in the ends of videos as a shout out to go along with my other supporters. Help the channel out by joining and yeah, let's have some fun. All right, guys. So this is a segment that I wanted to cover. I kind of watched this video before, but we are going to be going over this video and it's kind of speaks to some of the shit that I have a problem with. I have a problem with grifters. Now, say what you will, right wing or left wing, not that I'm a fucking centrist or anything like that, but I hate grifters. People that use what they quote unquote believe in to motherfucking get over. People that sit back and say, well, racism bad, and they get money or they get, you know, a position where they get to speak about it and then they use it and turn it on how to get the bag now maybe it's just me and my position in life and the way I look at shit or maybe because I'm just a cheap bastard but I don't like opulence I don't like it if you're somebody who needs to just be opulent with shit whether it's right wing or left wing I mean like how could you be the pol biggest political streamer on YouTube, on Twitch, and then basically a spoiled rich kid? But I digress, I digress. Let's talk about um, this video that I saw in the Majority Report. Let's go. What did you do to uh, kind of flesh out your story here? And, and, sure, and sure. what did you want to convey by making it longer and speaking about this particular time in your life and growing up and how it informs you today? Um, I wanted to talk about what I saw happening, in, in my opinion, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, what I see with kind of a left in its, as one friend said, embryonic stages right now, that really comes out of, in my opinion, more so the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, there are these two cultures that kind of fight against each other that I saw coming up in heavy music. And those are the cultures of deconstruction, which is the culture of no, and the culture of authenticity, which says like, you know, you can't be part of my movement because you're not cool enough or you're not wearing. So this is something that we've actually talked about on the channel before. If you're in a fucking group and the most important thing about the group is you're not pure enough. You, you're not cool enough. You're, you aren't this enough, no matter what you believe, no matter the points that you're putting up, because we're treating this as a social club. Then fuck you. You're not a real one. That is incredibly disabling to your movement do you believe in it or do you just want to have it as a social club but let's continue bring the right thing you're not saying the right things and i felt like those two things were kind of working against each other to to nullify the movement to grow beyond kind of a small niche milieu into the mainstream so i juxtaposed the left with um kind of the early stages of, of hardcore punk music and, you know, uh, what were some of the, not to spoil the whole book, but what, what, were, some of, what were some of the main contrasts and connections that you found? Um, the, one of the things that I found is like co-optation is going to happen to your movement as you're kind of struggling for, for authenticity and, and realism. Um, 
and you have to ask yourself a bigger question, which is, um, are you, and I say this in the book, uh, are you raging uh, at the machine, against the machine? Or are you raging to be a part of the machine? And uh, one of the things that I kind of came to the conclusion and in talking to the guys at the, at the live show the other night, they didn't necessarily disagree with it too much, that almost this music becomes like a cottage industry for people that can't get into the mainstream. Because once they get access into the mainstream, they don't mind playing all these corporate festivals, right? They don't mind playing bands Warped Tour. They don't mind. So that's an interesting point about a lot of what you see. And especially here with the left on YouTube, are you against the machine? Are you just, just fucking raging just for the point of it? Or are you really just trying to get inside the motherfucking group so you can actually say, tut, tut, now you people who want to outside a fucking bad. And we remember covering shit like this. And again, the one person that has made, that I've made videos on repeatedly, on the left is FD Signifier. Raging point after point, cornbread tube, this is cornbread tube, this cornbread tube, that. But as soon as this motherfucker gets to a point where I'm making a living off of this shit, I need to protect it. How many times? And here, let's do this. Let's, 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 let's kind of do this. If it's important, why is it that you keep releasing videos because you don't get full monetization. If that's what's important to you, if your messages was important to you, but Hey, you know, I, she said, I, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say because if you mention this shit, then you hate me. If, and the thing about it is here, we're going to see more examples of that. Let's go. And, you know, getting sponsorships and playing these huge corporate venues. Um, so what was the, what was the real meaning of, of what they were trying to do? And, and then you look at a band like Nirvana, mm. sorry if I'm all over the place and, um, Nirvana, in my opinion, you know, we can talk about grunge and how it's not a genre all day long. That's probably another show that Sam would probably prefer to be on, but, um, uh, they're hardcore punk. They have their roots in hardcore punk. I mean, when those, when Kurt Cobain kills himself, uh, Dave Grohl picks up Pat Smear from, from the germs and, and Chris Novoselic joins my friends in Flipper. Um, to some of the hardcore punk bands, but you change the name and uh, of, of the genre of music, and it's it's more easily consumable to the masses. And what you ended up seeing with hardcore punk music through grunge is kind of we'll take the aesthetic mm-hmm. of this music that's supposed to be so subversive and anti-establishment, and we'll sell anti-establishment. Yeah. And now you're now you've commodified it. And well, Kurt hated that. I mean, that's I, I it is. Um, I, I was a big Nirvana fan in my teenage years. Uh, I read uh, Heavier Than Heaven. Uh, you know what? I've never been a. I've never listened to a Nirvana song consciously. I, I don't believe. And don't get me wrong. I it, it's just some of the shit that I've never been exposed to. I don't think I've listened to a Nirvana song. So don't quote me on that. But I also didn't realize that. Flash Gordon was a fucking queen son. I knew Queen from watching the Highlanders, like the series. And that's not even the real you know, Princess of the Universe son. I, I knew that. But, you know, some music, I didn't grow up with it. So until I became an adult, I didn't, you know, get out of side of my box. But yeah, no. Yeah. So let's go. And, you know, they're, they, the, 
there's a difference between nihilism and uh, anarchy or Mm. basically being a a rebellious uh, artist or someone speaking to these kinds of things because Kurt, for example, was uh, very, you know, pro, pro gay, um, uh, pro these social movements, but also deeply, uh, deeply resentful of the like capitalist structures that force them into certain boxes. and I guess that I mean that is that is punk to a degree, but, but then you. But he see, didn't mind the record, the, the major label deal. I mean, he well, could have stayed at Sub Pop. And right? you can see you can see that like tension, I guess, uh, between yeah. wanting that success and then also hating yourself for wanting that success too that that he embodied. I mean, the bigger question is, it's like, why do people have to swear a vow of poverty to be authentic? Right. This is true. Um. So one of the things that I hope to do with my channel, grow my channel, and shit like that, is specifically i want to get successful enough to move past some of the financial struggles i have even with having a quote-unquote good job but when it comes to opulence give me a motherfucking um minivan that has four wheels and an engine that runs so i can take my art shit with me give me a motherfucking home where you know Shit ain't falling apart. I don't need some big mansion. I just need enough to motherfucking not stress from, I don't know, just basic shit. Hell, the vacation I need is a vacation with me and probably two. Oh, shit, put that. Yeah, no, let's go. Look, a video. And that's something that happens in our world as well, where if you've reached a certain level of success, now you're no longer authentic. Um, you've been sucked up by the establishment. Um, but again, the culture of deconstruction, which I just call the call of culture of no, and a lot of this music is just kind of anti-everything. Um, and in the end, what was hardcore really, I mean, definitely there's aspects of people from the genre that had politics like Jello Biafra, but he doesn't represent every group or person in, in the scene as well. And you kind of have, if anything, kind of anti-consumerism mm. is the most thing, biggest thing that you get out of that which is kind of what you see still now, like the best uh, uh, capitalism is anti-capitalism, right? Being able to sell anti-capitalism as, as this cool subversive thing. And, and to me, what you end up getting is your leftism, if you will, much like your punkness or realness becomes a lifestyle brand. So here's the thing, and this is what I was complaining about in the chat earlier. What people think is what Marx is raging against as far as capitalism, is not what we have is capitalism now. You are a fucking idiot if you think that human beings will ever get rid of currency. That is not something that will fucking happen ever. You want to know why? Unless we go back to the Paleolithic era, even then we had currency. As long as there are people that specialize in shit like growing food, being doctors, being technicians, plumbers, even being motherfucking live streamers. When you can't sew your clothes as well as your feels and motherfucking make, you know, smelt all the fucking lead and precious metals you need to be on anything from cell phones to the internet. We're going to have currency. The manipulation of that currency, the over expression of certain communities with, and I say communities, certain groups that, you know, 
overwhelmingly may have court currency, that's what we should be fighting against. Now, does that sound more like social democracy and being a social democrat than some of these dumb fuck ass women socialists that has a $3 million home type bullshit? Yeah, that does sound like more of a social democrat or fucking liberal. Yes, but for those bitches who think that they can claim socialist and live as opulent as any motherfucking capitalist, um, how did, how did that motherfucker put it? I'm not even going to dignify Hassan with that response. Oops, I'm talking about Hassan. If you think that you claim socialism, but you live like any motherfucking rich person would, yeah, no. It is at that point, as motherfucking Jason Miles said, that's the guy who's on the interview, a lifestyle brand. And yes, yes, I am taking shots at the fucking left. The people that sit back and just act as if by claiming socialism, even though they live rich, opulent ass lives, that you're doing something when you don't want to do shit. You don't want the system to change because you want to give people something to complain about. You don't even want your motherfucking chat to vote the least amount of civil engagement that you can do. Oh, but we're going to do community this, community that. Vote first. Let that be your stepping stone. Half of these motherfuckers in their chat can't even fucking order a pizza over the phone without getting nervous. Well, let's go. Yeah, I think that's that's really clear, too, um, in the purity test or the authenticity test that you describe. Um, and I mean, it, that's awesome that you explore that in your book. I and mean, what were what were some of the, the, the conclusions that you drew, drew about that particular tension that can be applied to like leftists counting Bernie's houses, for example, yeah. um, or liberals yeah. doing so and saying that yeah. that in some way negates any of the politics? Um. I did recently write a piece for Damage Magazine for about Ibrahim X. Kendi. It's not necessarily about, I didn't want to, let me pull back a little bit. I didn't want to make it about Ibrahim X. Kendi because again, with stuff like that, it could end up being like, once the bad man's gone, then the bad theory is gone. And what he's building on is something that's been around for a while, trying to be kind of a race, race ventriloquist. What Kendi was able to do though with anti-racism was kind of kneecap the left in my opinion. Excuse me. And he doesn't do it by himself. Um, he actually has help. With from BLM, if you think about uh, it was 2015 when Bernie's on the stump trail, he's doing a speech about Medicare and Social Security. Two things that definitely greatly benefit black people and have for some time. Before he can even start speaking, BLM gets on stage and starts yelling about racist cops, and they're pushing back against someone that they probably should be working with since his campaign is designed to help poor and working class black people, poor and working class everybody. So I'm gonna pause it right here and just actually take the time to say something. I have had so many discussions with people that, in my opinion, just want fucking revenge or just want to fucking feel special because they want something for them. Now, if you have watched my channel before, I have been very open and very honest about three things, really four, that I think that would actually help black people. Very honest. One, let's get Medicare for all with the mental health component. 
what shocking I know. It's almost as if if if, if people actually had health care where they didn't have to worry about paying for the shit at time of service, that they can actually have more of a healthier life. And yeah, the mental health component really goes a long fucking way. Let's talk about a universal basic income where it helps everybody. Let's talk about how the government can actually just off the back, just say, hey, let's give everybody 50 grand for housing. And if you live in a fucking home that's rented right now, how about we pay that shit off? So the owner of that property can just say, you know, well, we have somebody in the house. Let's do that shit. Take care of people's medical, housing, and some sort of basic income. And if you need repairs, well, if you're using a local contractor, your municipality can actually help you out. The problem with me proposing that shit to some people, well, they're not just doing it for just me. You have to look at them like, you dumb fuck. If they're universal programs, they help everybody. And this is a problem with some people. They're so goddamn caught up in their own sense of, I need to feel better than you in order to make sure that I feel like I got something. If somebody was going around passing out a million dollars to 20 people on the street, and I was one of those 20, I'm not going to be mad at the other 19 motherfuckers. Somebody was going out passing around fucking $50,000 on the street. What do I look like being mad at whoever else gets it? But that's what a lot of people have the mentality. If somebody else gets something as well as I get something, well, it's not it's not too different than I get something at all. And this is a problem in the black community. I know because here's the problem. We have been shitted on for so long. We feel as if we're old. Great, we are. But if it comes at, if the cost of giving us something that we need comes at the cost of making sure other people that are in need are taken care of too, that's a price I'm willing to pay. But you get these people who sit back and say, oh, but it needs to be this, it needs to be that. And he's not talking about BLM as the principal, but he was talking about the organization. And it's using somebody's fucking hatred, using their resentment to bolster your own fucking pockets. Not for the good of other people, but to bolster your own pockets. Again, it is a reason why I bring up FD Signifier. It's a reason why I bring up Cornbread too. It's a reason why I bring up all of these other motherfuckers that sit back and use your resentment, your motherfucking feeling of being an outcast to say, well, everybody else is against us. Come come, come in the group. By, by the way, give me your money. That's the stupidest shit. And then, not only give me your money, shit ain't gonna change, so you don't have to do anything but give me your money and give me your time and give me your attention. Yeah, but let's continue. But it doesn't have, to them, a racial racialized agenda. And the Democratic Party is able to see that and take that and use it in spades. And Kendi, in his How to Be an Anti-Racist book, 
and, and I think there's a little bit of true believer in him. I don't think he's a, a straight up charlatan that's you know, like a carnival barker. Um, what he's able to do is say, uh, there are these. But that's the most dangerous kind, though. People that believe a little bit, but also want to get that shit because they justify the shit. I have no doubt that people like motherfucking Hassan Piker believe that socialism is best. But he's so fucking blinded to the fact that, hey, I'm a good person, and I say I'm a socialist, so that makes me a good person. He doesn't see the shit that he's doing that's fucking up everything else by telling his chat not to do shit. By the, the organization BLM's like, yeah, we want to do this. And not just making sure there's change right now. Right now. You can go on many of these fucking Reddit posts or motherfucking blogs where it says, What we we shouldn't we shouldn't do anything. How many YouTubers that want accelerationism, want shit to be bad, want shit to be worse, so people can rise up and play fucking LARP revolution instead of making the marketable change that we can make right now and it's not just the motherfucking live streamers there are people right now who sit back and look at joe biden's presidency as if it was a second term of trump not the hundreds of millions of dollars or is it up to billions of dollars that has been forgiven with student loans not the changes in the motherfucking NL, NLRB. Not the motherfucking getting, actually getting out of fucking Afghanistan. But they want to look at Joe Biden because we have a 24 motherfucking hour news cycle. That shit happens day and day and day and day and day. But it doesn't happen quick enough. So it's a problem. Again, it's not just. The fucking immature ass live streamers that do this shit. But it's people that are playing on your motherfucking. Oh, we. we uh, it's not happening quick enough. It's not. Motherfuckers, it took generations to get where we are. And histories don't happen as a fucking one long motherfucking. Just, it happens like this. It happens like this. It happens like this. Fucking change stops and starts. Sometimes it goes back. Sometimes it leaps forward. And again, some of the most dangerous peoples are not the grifters. They're the people that actually believe that they have it right. But they want to at least fit their more well-being into it. But let's continue. Conjoined twins, and it's capitalism and racism. And you can't be an anti-capitalist without being an anti-racist. But... The, the basis of the book is about his spiritual journey into anti-racism, not his spiritual journey into Marxism. Mm. And it's kind of about the hearts and minds of white people. Ta-Nehisi Coates recently said something along the lines of, um, if you can't accept someone's humanity, there's no bit of legislation that will fix that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> You're trying to say the Civil Rights Act doesn't mean anything unless all the white people in the world feel a certain way about me. Abe Lincoln couldn't do um, the Emancipation Proclamation only until he accepted that black people were, were human beings needed to be respected. So, uh, and like, you know, some of the shit that Tana Hazy goes right, like he he does make some great Black Panther um, stories. Um, but here's the thing. 
You don't have to like me. Hell, I think I've said it enough during this whole stream. I have people that watch me that hate watch me. Don't give a fuck. But you will not stop me. You will not get in my motherfucking way. You can even lightly dis uh, uh, not respect me. Not disrespect me, but not respect me. I don't care. As long as you give me the motherfucking equal playing ground, I'm all for it. Because success demands respect. Not liking. Oh, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you have to like it. But if I'm successful, you won't look up to me, motherfucker. But it's so many of these people that want to be accepted for them personally in order to feel like they succeeded. Again, don't give a fuck one way or iota of you accepting me as a person. Because I know there is some shit about me you're not going to like. The fact that my penis is bigger than yours. The fact that I fucked your mother. And your 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 father was clapping while I was going at it. Anyway, uh, I wasn't going to cut that out, but I'm going to leave that one in. The fact that I can speak more eloquently than you can without using profanity. You're not going to accept me for 100% of me. But I will have equal rights. And I give out equal rights and lefts. These hands are ready for everybody. Okay, I'm being an asshole. You don't have to like me, but I will demand equal rights. And I said equal. I don't demand to be more, have more rights than what you are. And I tell you this, we can play in the mud together. So if you think that your rights, you know, I don't have the right to call you this. Go ahead. But when I start getting in the dirt with your ass, Oh, we're going to have some fun. Anyway, let, let's go. To a certain level. Yeah. I don't really care about what's in the hearts and minds of white people. I care about the economic stability of over 40 million black people. Yeah, it is. It is. It is segmenting and divorcing, you know, racial equality or and liberation, I should say, is probably the better, better word for it. Right. Um, from uh, from systems of politics and systems of change and, and revolution. It's like. Oh, this is at you, the the at least in reference to um, the, the Coates argument that you're describing here. It's much more individualized, atomized. It's emotional as opposed to being like direct results of capitalism, colonialism, structures that made things this way. And is your I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is your assessment that that take that really hamstrings efforts of liberation when you when you frame things in that way? Yeah, because first of all, you're always going to play the oppression Olympics. Um, I've never seen a winner at the oppression Olympics and <laughs> sorry. Uh, and to some people, this may sound almost right wing, but it's not, it's not. The fact is, I'm going to be very honest with you in here. Let's bring it in close. There are some going to be some people that's not going to like you for you being you. They're not going to like a part of your identity. They're not going to like the way that you look. They're not going to like what you believe, the fact that you don't believe. That's something that's going to actually happen. And if you're looking for rights based on somebody liking you, 
have you met humans? Rights are demanded. Rights are required. And rights should be equal. And I know I have them in my audience. My transgender brothers and sisters. My homosexual, bisexual, and pants brothers and sisters. I get it. You don't want to be denigrated for a part of who you are. I get it. And non-binary still, yeah. You, you guys get what I mean. But when you make it a requirement for somebody to accept you as you, as a right, instead of accepting your right to exist, I have to ask you, are you looking for acceptance in the wrong place? You are important to me. The parts that make up your identity. It's important as the fact what type of shirt you have on. And I need you to understand that there are going to be people that want to give you your rights. But not like your decisions. There are people that are going to want to, you know, say, okay, we, we're going to leave them alone. We're not going to bother them. But not be okay who you choose to be or who you have no choice in being. And I say this to the left that uses spaces in order to motherfucking... Not not because you ideologically want to form together, but because you feel like you're an outcast, so that's the only place you can actually go. Don't look for validation from some of these people. You will never win because they will hold that validation over you in order to make sure they hold you under your thumb, their thumb and not give you your rights. And I know you're probably thinking like, what does this straight man has to say about it? Yeah, yeah. I may know a little bit of something about people not liking a certain aspects of you, but still would give you your rights. I may know a little bit about that. I don't know why, but I may know a little bit about that. And I get it if you're part of the younger generation that have had guardrails. I'm not going to say fully protected because, you know, people were still shit. But they have guardrails versus some of the shit that we had to deal with in the 90s. I get if you're not used to it. But you can't expect everybody to accept your decisions or who you are, what you believe, or what you don't believe. The left is not a political movement of outcasts. The left is a political movement looking to change the world for the betterment of people. And you shouldn't be here if you are only here because you're an outcast. But let's continue. Uh, and, and, sorry. And, and, and then what happens is you're, when you get away from the economic model, what you'll find is these people end up winning in the corporate sphere. And that's really what Kendi was able to do with anti-racism. You also see it with Robert D'Angelo Kelly early on. I don't know if she's still the player that she once was in the you know, 
Well, that's literally a white person who is uh, framing anti-racism around the sensibilities of white people. Kindies isn't much different, right? It's about we have to fix the hearts and minds of these people because if we don't get into the hearts and minds of these people, if they don't see me as a blah, 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 then we can never really tackle this thing called capitalism. And I don't believe that. Um, you know, when we integrated schools, it wasn't because all the white people felt okay about it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it took state power to get in there and do it. So to assume that um, economic freedom is going to come from all oppressive people saying, you know, these cats are okay. It's just silly to think that way. But it, because of the way our media works as well, that's kind of the narrative that we have, right? Martin Luther King's speech at the, at the March, on, March on Washington isn't about economic freedom, which it is. It's about the acceptance of a colorblind world. And that's not what it was all about. And this is a great point that he puts, picks up. The fact that people forget King was a socialist. People forget that Martin Luther King, and it's his birthday's coming up, so I guess I'm going to do my annual go over the drum major um, instinct speech. In that speech, King talks about his interaction with prison guards. He literally has the conversation where he's saying, your kids are going to the same shitty-ass schools that our kids are going to. You're getting the same fucked-up-ass pay. You may not like me. You may not like our movement, but we're here to help you. All while he was in jail. Again, it's not about to be colorblind or blind to different motherfucking, you know, hatreds or bigotries that people have. It's not to be, oh, yeah, you're just going to be a capitalist reductionist. It is literally saying that, hey, I may not fully accept your choices, but I accept that you're a person that deserves rights and we're all fucked unless we stick together. But let's continue. So these guys that kind of live in this past, an almost imagined past, especially people with like tiny coats. Uh, originally in that piece, I had a very large part about coats, which you know, it's 2000 words. You can only get so much in there because I don't think you can really talk about Kindy BLM without talking about the rise of, of Ta-Nehisi Coates as well. He's kind of an integral character in that. Uh, Ture Reed talks about it um, extensively in Towards Freedom. I advise everybody to, to read that book. But um, he's kind of a wannabe Baldwin in a time where Baldwin doesn't make that much sense. So this idea that you have to... Ah! From the shit that I've actually saw from Baldwin, the different stories I... I remember watching I-H-O-N-I-G-G-A. Um, even Baldwin didn't push this whole idea of, you know, only pay attention to me as a person, accept me as a person. He was more accept our, me as having my rights. And again, it's one of those things where it's just like, it's a fine line. I mean, we went over Baldwin stuff. We have went over Baldwin stuff. We went over the interviews that he did, um, and Baldwin is, he's forgotten a lot of, in some circles, of how he was, again, he called for our rights, and then made the, 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 
argument about accepting him me as a person. But he called for the rights more than anything. But let's go. Humanize these people to understand their plight, and only then can we work towards a more just society. It sounds nice in a Hallmark movie, I guess, but the the reality of it is, I, I'd rather have you know economic policy. I'd rather have jobs programs. I'd rather be trying to abolish that the conditions that cause um, impoverished urban cores and, and massive amounts of homelessness. So that's only going to come through policy, not from winning the hearts and minds of, of racists. Yeah, I mean, I I. <laughs> to, to return to Coates because we praised him on this program recently for um for his Israel's for speaking apartheid. out calling Israel an apartheid state I mean and, and the praise was not I mean it's all within the context of like this is good because Obama reads him and hopefully crafts well, him and also to put, that, here. to put that even to greater context one he was hired by Jeffrey Goldberg who was a, a prison guard in Israel um, and uh, you know very pro-Israel um, and also in his reparations piece that really uh, brought him to fame he mentions Israel as a positive example for how reparations can be done which he apologized <laughs> exactly, for right. yes yeah. yeah so that's growth on that front but like you I so it's helpful that someone like Coates is talking about Israel as an apartheid state. That's, you know, to get to, to get the change. We and see, this is where that dogmatic shit that happens on the left kind of like almost works against us. Yes, we know that there is a right wing government in Israel that does pokey shit. We know that. But nobody's hands in that conflict is clean. Nobody's hands in the whole region of that conflict is clean. And goddamn, which I heard a quote, which is just truthful and unapologetically right. When elephants fight, the grass gets stampled. Nobody is caring at all of the opposite side civilians. Nobody is. And that's the problem. And for you to sit back and say, oh, they called Israel this. Oh, they, dis they disavowed the Palestinians that. It is old men forcing young men or encouraging young men to fucking fight for their egos. And for you to sit back and say one side is irrevocably evil, nobody's hands in that conflict is clean. And I get it. You want to stand up to whatever force of power that you see is fucking wrong? And this isn't even about a whataboutism. This isn't even about a whataboutism. It is literally old men with their grudges forcing young men to fight for them. And you're picking a side because it sounds nice. But let, let's go. Let's go. We need to, to see. I'm going to take that 100%. But when you listen to his words, there isn't really any conversation about colonialism or capitalism at all and the structures that led to apartheid or segregation which he, he likens to obviously segregation and jim crow in the united states um but why were those systems in place why is israel strategically placed in that way why were black people subjugated and uh 
uh, second class citizens in and continue to be disenfranchised, uh, 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 you know, not in, in the place that they should be due to um, the, the systems of racism. I, it, it feels like it's it, it's difficult to get anti-racist racist writers to take that next step, at least mainstream anti-racist writers. Well, because there's money to be made. And people really love hearing a certain narrative, right? If I said, if look, on my show, if me and Pascal said white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy all the time, we have a hell of a lot more viewers. Mm. We get some nicer messages in the inbox. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, then we'll cut it off because we're going to start getting to a point where it's just like, yeah, I agree, I agree. Because, yeah, I will say this. If, if I just sit back and say, you know, white person bad, white person bad, white person bad. If I didn't call out people who I felt this should be better, I would actually have more subscribers. I can ring the bell of the whole cornbread tube. Um, we saw it with Shark, where cornbread tube was trying to incorporate them into their little thing, but because he wouldn't play ball, he still was able to do his own thing, and also, also, they try to, you know, start calling him, like, you know, a trash panda. Like, no. And I'm sorry. Yes, yes. I am of the opinion that you won't be accepted for who you are. But you sure damn well sure better treat me with equal rights. And I know it feels good to be accepted, especially if you're accepted in the warm embrace of somebody you care about. No, I'm, I'm on a whole nother subject. Give me more rights. Don't equip, you know, equivalent to, well, they just don't like you because of you. As a matter of fact, that's one of the ways they neutered King's message. Oh, it's just about racism. Well, I don't just call black people the N-word, so I must be making progress. It's not worth it. Anyway, like, share, and subscribe, and all that other good shit. Um, comment if you want to comment. Tell me that how I'm wrong I am. Go tell me to go fuck myself, um, which I won't listen to. I just go... You know, sleep with your mom. Anyway, um, like, share, subscribe. Um, dislike if you want to. And I'm going to cut this video segment here. I want to say thank you to all my Patreon supporters and my Twitch subscribers. Join the Guardians. Become a member or become a subscriber on YouTube, Patreon, and help support the channel. Thank you for watching this video. And the next one should be popping up on your screen. Subscribe. And if you haven't checked it out and want to help out the channel, check out my Patreon. Thanks.